Please choose another episode if hearing about addiction will be unhelpful to your grief journey. Nicole's mom was an addict for the first 12 years of Nicole's life, and she felt as if she lost her mom emotionally during this time. After becoming clean for 10 years, her mom was diagnosed with hepatitis C and relapsed on her sobriety. While trying to get clean again, she passed of a subdural hematoma a few years later when Nicole was 24. If you are enjoying the podcast, I'd really appreciate if you could take a moment to leave a rating and review. And now, Nicole's story. Hi, this is Beth. Welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. We are glad you're here today. I have with me Nicole, um, and Nicole is going to share the story about her mom, Sherry. And as always, I will let her tell her story from beginning to end and then come back with a few questions at the end. So, Nicole, I'm going to turn the mic over to you and let you introduce yourself and tell us your story. Thank you, Beth. I appreciate it. Again, I'm, as you noted, I'm Nicole. I'm from New Jersey, and I'm uh, pretty excited to share my story again to hopefully be able to help someone else and get some of uh, the feelings I've had over these years out for others. My story dates back to actually when I was just six weeks old. So at six weeks old, my mom had made the very, very challenging decision to give my grandparents custody of me. Uh, She didn't at that time think that she or my father would be in the best care for me. So while they, um, my grandparents had my the custody of me, my parents unfortunately were both drug addicts. And for about 12 years, I really didn't know who my mom was. So my story is a little unique in the sense that I feel as if I lost her twice. Um, I had the first 12 years that I didn't really know who she was. I knew bits and pieces, uh, remember like sitting and waiting for her or thinking she was coming and I knew of her and I knew of this person, but never really truly knew this person. And um, around the age of 12, my mom had become about a year clean at that point and my grandparents felt that that was an appropriate time given the length of her sobriety that they would allow us to uh, rekindle and reconnect and get to know each other. And I'll be honest, it was a very tough rekindle on my part. I was a little rough around the edges with her because I really didn't trust her. Uh, And again, as I said, I thought I had lost her already. So it was a rough few years getting to know her. um, But I can proudly say around the age of 15 or just shy of 16, I let her in and I gave her the opportunity to get to know me and I got to know her. And we became really, really close, really close. We built a really strong bond and she was clean at that point for about four years. And um, at that point, I was going with her to a variety of female women houses to support women who were trying to um, get into their sobriety, women who wanted to get their children back and to show them that it was possible. So those were some really, really proud moments that her and I shared. And I think over that is how we really bonded. Um, we got to, I got to know her story, she got to know my story, and then we got to share it with others in hopes that they would change their life. Um, and we did that for many years. Um, we did that until I was about 20 years old. So this was a journey that we did for about five years. And when I was in college, about 20 to 21 years old, my mom had found out uh, that she had hepatitis C. And this was a really, really big uh, downturn for us. It was 
a big impact um, on her health, of course. Uh, we saw her body deteriorating and she had to go through some pretty intense medications. And then also not only just the physical, but the emotional aspect of like remembering her addiction and what brought her here. So that was a really, really tough time. Um, I, thankfully, I could say in about a year um, from her medication, she found out she was in this remission phase. But unfortunately for her, um, she had already started to go back down a path where she was utilizing medication uh, to numb that pain she had over the year and it spiraled her back into addiction. So it was really, really unfortunate because while yes, I did have those five, six years of a really amazing relationship with her, um, it cycled back about 10 years later of her going back into addiction. So by the age of 22 years old, um, I was trying to help my mom get out of addiction um, on my own, um, trying to help her turn around, where at 12, I, I wasn't part of that process. Um, I was hidden from it. And here I am in a master's program, trying to work full time to be able to pay for it, and also trying to help my mom. Um, I would find her on the floor. Um, I would find her naked. I would find her in vomit. I would find her in these situations that I had been sheltered from for the first 12 years of my life. Um, I had found her and, and many times had thought she was dead um, before she actually did pass. So it was a very, very unfortunate um, situation that I was in to not necessarily be able to enjoy the fact that I was 21 and 22 years old, but instead uh, finding my mom in these situations that I was worrying that she was dead at that moment. Um, at that time, we tried to get her into rehabs. We tried to get her to go to halfway houses, anything. I mean, we we would try whatever it was, um, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Uh, she always said to me, and I'll never forget, she always said, if I go back, I'm not coming back. And, uh, and that's what happened. So unfortunately, I watched her still spiral. She added, she started to add drinking into the mix because she started to think, well, if I take less medication or less pills, um, I can just compensate with alcohol, which was not really a choice of hers from prior, but it became the vice that she found herself falling into. So now not only was she taking prescribed, that was not to her, but medication, uh, she was drinking. So she was in a really, really rough place. And I'll be honest, I was too. I was in a place where I was just developing and really didn't know how to handle this. Um, my grandparents were too old to be able to take this on for a second round. They had her for far too long prior to me. And then while they had me trying to get her into recovery. So this wasn't something that in their sixties and seventies, they were ready to take on. So I tried, I tried for a long time. I tried for about two years to get her to turn her life around, tried bribing her, tried taking her phone, tried taking her money, um, tried to make phone calls, tried to lock her in the bathroom. Um, uh, any, There's a lot of scenarios that tried to do to try to get her to stop, call people to come over. Nothing worked. Nothing worked. So uh, for myself, what I actually had to do at the age of 23, uh, just shy of turning 23, um, I decided to move out. I said, I can't, I can't take this on. 
I said, I'm not capable of really fully caring for myself. I'm not going to be able to care for you. So I ended up moving out in uh, September of 2012. And that was a month before I was turning 23. I decided to move out of the house and, and go on my own. It was a really tough decision, but my mental, physical, and emotional health was so far down as I was trying to become a better person on my own that I knew I needed to escape from this. So I had left. I blocked her. I said I wasn't going to talk to her. I couldn't do this to myself. And from about September to, I would say December, it would be intermittent of me checking my phone, just, okay, maybe I can give her an opportunity. Maybe I can listen to her. Maybe she's going to change or maybe we could check in. But she was just so negative and so sick and just a totally different person than I ever knew. Uh, so I decided in January to just completely uh, stop any communication. I wouldn't text her, wouldn't respond to anything. And I actually, like on my phone, put a block on. And this is now 2013. And what is really uh, something that's just so crazy is a week before her passing, she a text message came through to me which I do not know how I had not, she had been texting me for weeks at a time, nothing had come through. And uh, she texted, it was right one week before she passed and she passed in March. And uh, she had texted me and said, I'm trying Belle, I'm really trying this time. And my nickname was, she called me Bella. So that's my middle name's Isabella. So it's a bit of a, of a one-off of that. So she said, I'm trying Belle. And I wrote her back and I was like, I really hope so. And then I didn't talk to her. And uh, on March 22nd, she um, was found uh, March 21st and March 22nd, sometime in between that evening. She was found on the kitchen floor. Uh, they had said that there was alcohol in her system. There was not an excessive amount of abusive drugs, um, none that were detected, but there was just so much damage to her body. Um, and the fall that she had, she had a subderma hematoma and she had died immediately. Um, we, what was wild is the night before I had woke up at two o'clock in the morning into that morning. And I woke up my now husband who did know her and knew the really, really good her. Um, and I was like, something's wrong. I said, John, cause me and him were living together. I had moved in with him. I said, John, something's wrong. I said, I just feel it. And I said, um, you, oh, he was out with his friend. And I called him. I go, you have to come home right now. He goes, Nick, I'm at Rich, his friend Richie's house. He said, what are you talking about? He's like, you're fine. He's like, go back to sleep. I said, something's wrong. I go, I need you to come home. And he came home and he's like, Nick, what it like, you are wired. Something's off with you. Like, did, are you okay? Are you sick? I said, I don't know, John, something just feels wrong. I go, I need you home. I just need to know you're safe because I have a really, really, really bad feeling. And uh, that morning, my aunt, March 22nd of 2013, my mom's sister uh, is the one that got the phone call to her house. She came over to me and to where I was living. And I only lived 10 minutes from where my mom was because I always would, would drive past her window just to see that she was there. And my aunt came in and she said, she's gone, Nick. And, and um, I knew what she meant. I knew exactly what she meant. And I just, 
looked at her with not even a shock, I'll be honest, because I knew I lost her before that, but I just knew that this was, this was it. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, uh, that was, that was my mom, but, you know, before, before that day and before those last two or three years, she was so good. She was really one of the good ones. And it's unfortunate that my last few memories of her are really not that good. But I do try to reflect back on like that 16 to 20 of the memories and the good times I had with her and the people she did actually help and the people that knew the real her. But unfortunately, this is a disease. And she was just a really, really sick one, a really sick woman with the disease. And unfortunately, that's what uh, that's what took her. But I'll be honest, I, I believe that regardless, if it wasn't that day, it would have just been another one and it would have been very similar. Because um, when she said she she wasn't coming back, I knew it. I knew she wasn't lying. I think that it's, um, you know, uh, so important for us to talk about the fact that addiction is a disease because I feel like people... Some people who, you know, don't have an exposure to it think that it's a choice and nobody chooses to be an addict, you know, no, no. that's no, not a lot. Right. And the, yeah. when, when she was in that space, I mean, she chose all the right things to do, um, but when it became, you know, this bad opportunity and all the cards fell the way they did, that disease just took over her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is. It is a very deadly and very unfortunate disease. Um, wow. Were your grandparents that you were with, were those her parents? They are. Yeah. They're her mom and dad and they're still what they're still here today. Okay. Uh, you know, we keep her memory alive as much as possible. We put her in photos. I have an artist who's just unbelievable who um, combined four photos, my photo, my mom's photo and both of my kids and she hand drew this photo. And let me tell you, when you see this, it is just, you you think we were together in it. It's just truly, truly incredible. Um, so I have that as something to remember her by. And I know that she would have loved these babies. She would have loved. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I told her that, I said to her when she was sick, I said, and I didn't have them yet. I wasn't even married, but I said, you're gonna miss your grandbabies. I was like, don't do this. You missed mm -hmm. me. Like, take this as another opportunity. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was stronger than her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned in your when you communicated with me before the recording, like talking about how this now you are a mom and you have two kids, you said yeah. how this has affected your becoming a mom and sure. So you know, I, I see it as a very positive piece. And the reason being is all the pain and all the upset that I had for so many years, I would never do that to these babies. I would mm -hmm. never do that to them. I wouldn't touch a drug. I wouldn't even look at a drug. And as much heartache and pain that I had went through for all the years that I did, it made me an amazing mama to these babies today because mm -hmm. I would never do that to them. Mm -hmm. they'll never know it you know my husband and I talk about it and we have great careers and we worked so hard for where we are and we say all the time these babies would never ever 
feel an ounce of the pain that I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, so for me, thank you. For me, that was a rough take on, but it really made me a better mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how old are your babies? I have a two and a four-year-old. Oh, before yeah. we started recording, they were splashing in the bathtub. <laughs> so Nicole moved downstairs. Um, but it is for someone whose baby, my baby is 20. <laughs> it's fun Still to hear baby. those. Yeah, it's fun Still to hear those, those sounds of that age. Um, that is so, so special. Mm. Well, and I, I love the fact that your husband knew your mom, you know? Yeah. And he was a really, really good her. And when he came around and I obviously shared addiction with him and I shared what it has done, you know, to my life and what, how it impacted me and then where we are, because he met her in the best of times. He said, there is no way that your mom did drugs. I mean, when you look at her, she was gorgeous. And you, I mean, drugs have really, they don't, they don't have a, a rhyme or a reason. They're not, they don't care what you look like, but, uh, she, you would never think in a million years, you would say, Sherry, are you kidding me? No way. There is no way. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I said, John, it's crazy to think, but yeah, my, my mom, my mom was a heroin addict. I said to him and she, he was like, what? And then it's just so unfortunate. Cause as the time went on and I had been with him back then all the way through up until now, I mean, he was blown away because he had never thought he'd see my mom that way. So, yeah. so did he see her during those last few years? He did. Okay. He did. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. He, he helped me. He was the one going and saying, Sherry, what are we doing here? You know, you want to be at her wedding. You want to be at these major events. Like, let's, let's change this. Let's turn it around. What can we do? But mm-hmm. yeah, so he mm-hmm. understands it through me and has such a different lens that he views addiction because growing up, he didn't, he wasn't, introduced and I'm glad he wasn't I don't want anyone to have to ever go through that but it was so foreign to him you know he's like I heard about that in tv shows or his father's a police officer and he's like my dad would tell me stories but it was nothing that ever came even in the radius for him so coming through it with me and learning was very um, eye-opening and it really uh, changed his perspective on addiction Mm, that's great that's good because it's a shared experience and that you have somebody else that you can share it with yeah, you know, for sure. yeah, and he and he because he knew her differently, he can think back on those really nice memories. Because I was I started dating him when I was nineteen, so I had just about three or four years prior built that stronger relationship with my mom, and then he came into the mix, and he had two to three like really good years with her uh, before everything had went down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's that's cool. I think that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That he got um, to yeah. Yeah. But, and that he got to experience, you know, both sides so that he was, was able to relate to, yes. you know, what your story was for the first 12 years of your life. Exactly. Um, yeah. Hmm. Wow. Um, you, so you said you and your mom would go to homes and share your stories to try to be an example to women that were there and were the women there sometimes with their children, I'm assuming too, like they, so no, um, unless they had a visitation hour, a lot of times the amazing way that we would be able to do this, which was just so heartwarming is when we would go, the women would be sitting there in either 30, 60, 90 day program. And my mom would go out and share her story. 
So my mom would share, you know, this is the role, this is the path that I had been on, this is the failures I've had, this is what addiction brought me, and nobody would know I was there. So I would just be sitting in the audience, and we did this purposely because we really wanted it to be such an impact on them. And she would say, you know, I lost my daughter, but I'm so proud to say that I was able to build a relationship with her and I was able to bring her back into my life. And then these women would just kind of be shocked and you're hearing it and you know, you're in your 30 days, you're, you may not be as strong into your recovery, but you still hear hearing it and you appreciate it. And then she'd say, you know what, like, look, that girl over there, that's my daughter. And like, that would really bring it all to life. And what was so, so heartwarming is Every year, my mom would go to a conference hosted, um, I can't remember if it was NA or AA because she was so active in both, but uh, even though she wasn't really, tr- like an, her to her vice choice wasn't alcohol, but she loved AA meetings, just the power it brought to them. So she attended both. And we were at this conference and a woman came up to us and she's like, your story is the reason I've been with my daughter for the last, I think it was a year. And I mean, that is why we did it. And that is why I went with her, despite having to hear some of the situation she was in, or she put herself in, or she did what she did to her body. Like all of that was, of course, a terrible thing to hear and a terrible story to hear, but it was well worth it to be able to bring it to the full front circle of where she was at today or at that moment. Mm -hmm. So uh, I loved it. I mean, I learned so much. I heard so many stories. And again, I took those stories and I said, wow, I never want to do these things but it's so rewarding to hear the differences that people can make in their life and how they can change and turn it around mm-hmm. yeah have you considered doing any of that stuff on your own without your mom now that there's a different angle to your story so sometimes I mean I'm a big believer on signs and like things come your way and whether it's a song or a color or whatever it might be. And I always like to think that it's her, but I've had a few different times where I'm like, is she trying to like, let me know that maybe I should do this or I'll read a book and it'll talk, it'll have a quote that she says in it that she might've said when we were at one of the meetings. And that happened to me like two weeks ago. And I'm reading this, this book and I see this quote and it was um, when, when the tough is, when it, when it's tough, the tough get going. And my mom always used to say that. And I'm like, all right, mom, like, are you telling me that you want me to go, you know, share this with someone else? And, and believe it or not, that's actually what sparked me to respond to your email because I hadn't responded right away. And I wasn't sure, okay, do I want to go forth with telling her story? I know I've told it so many times, but I haven't in quite a while. And am I ready to do it? And I said, no, like, I think this is the time. Like, I think she wants me to do it. And that's really what pushed me forward. Because I know we, the email I received from you was a few weeks prior to when I responded, but I just don't think at that time I was ready for it. But after reading some books and reading those quotes and having those signs, I'm like, okay, she wants me to get out and to share this. And it, I think it's for the right reasons. Hmm. Wow, that's really interesting. Well, I'm glad that you decided um, decided to share. And I'm also glad that you said, you know, that you needed to take some time because anybody who's listening, who's <laughs> contemplating doing this themselves, like if I've ever had anybody who comes on with any reservations, I'm like, there's no time limit here. Like I, I plan to do this, God willing, you know, for a while. So mm-hmm. people should only do this when they're ready. So Sure. Good for you. Good for you for taking that extra time that you needed. And then everybody always has the right to say no. And I told Nicole this before we started recording that even after we record these episodes, somebody still has the right to change their mind. So um, that's always that's always left up to the because it's your story. It's not my story. So 
right. anybody who's listening, that you wouldn't know those details unless you have shared on the podcast. So that's just a, another part of how it works. So. Oh, definitely. And I, you know, I thank you for that. I thank you for having this platform because again, even if it's one person that they don't even have to come up to me, but if it just helps them in some way, then, then that's what this was supposed to do. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I usually finish the podcast. If you have a final thought or something that you want to share with the listeners before we say goodbye. Yeah. So take all the signs in. just let them resonate, take them in. If you see the sky is a certain color one day, or if the sun is shining, you know, right into your eyes in a certain different way, and it makes the mirror look different or whatever it is, just take the signs and just think of it as that person. The penny drops and they reminded you of pennies. Think about that. I mean, don't let those go. And, you know, I have no proof to say in any way that that is them, but I like to think of it as a way just to remember those, those ones that we love and we miss and it, it makes me smile. So. Yeah, I agree. I have signs for all three of my people who are gone. So. Yep. I yeah. think it, it really makes a big deal. And for her, it's one of her favorite songs whenever it comes on and it's, I might be at a restaurant or I might just, it's just have sat down and had a really long day and I hear, I'm like, okay, thanks mom. I hear you. And, and I think for me, it, um, it does bring a bit of comfort. And I think for others, it could too. Yeah. Can you tell us what the song is or do you, would you rather not? No, no. So my mom was a big Journey fan. So usually anytime a Journey song comes on, um, I, I think of it as, as the number one. But for her, uh, it, it, any Journey song at that time is like my mom's go-to. So okay. I think for me that that always reminds me of her. Hmm. It's funny how music and songs can play a common theme. I just recorded another episode before yours and she her song was Landslide. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, the one that really strikes me is the Don't Stop Believing song. Like that was like my mom's go-to. Um, and I, so while any Journey song, yes, that one at my wedding, I did a memory of her. Like I, I actually created a video and it was tough to watch for everyone, but I said, I need to do this for me. So I put that as like the background. It's just one of the Journey songs I know she enjoyed. So that's the one I think that pinpoints me the most. Just I'm like, okay, I got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Nicole, thank you. Thank you for being here and sharing your story. Um, and it sounds like you have some kids that are getting out of the bathtub that might need some. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> might need yes. their mommy back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for doing this because again, I, I know that this is making an impact on others and that's so, so special. Mm-hmm. Thank you. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.